Jamie, do you think we should start with a disclaimer this week? An apology, a disclaimer, because I'm just thinking if people are wondering why we're not addressing this huge thing that's happened in tennis, it's because, and it's not, it's not partly my fault, I guess it's completely my fault, because I'm currently on holiday and hopefully I'm having a lovely time. Well, you're allowed a holiday. I think that's okay. We've just done it a little bit in advance. I think we'd have an issue if we were reporting on news and results <laughs> because we'd be guessing. <laughs> it's fine. Honestly, look, nothing's going to happen. What's going to happen in a week? Nothing's going to happen. I don't think we even need a I disclaimer. I can't believe you've said that. You've just made a, a massive statement there. You've said nothing is going to happen. Well, well, no, nothing kind of, you know news at six headline worthy as we've had for the past month or so yeah that's the thing it's been quite okay so we'll just say to everyone if they we're we'll just carry on as normal and if something massive happens then maybe you can just do podcast on your own talking about it (laughs) okay yeah okay yeah i'll record a little bit myself that's fine i'll chat i'll chat to sven that'd be great I would, I would have a little listen into that. <laughs> how, how is Sven? Because I know you haven't been working as such the last couple of days, but you have been working on slash with Sven. Plenty of training with Sven. Also with my little tennis player, Daisy. Plenty of coaching of Daisy and of Sven. So it's been good. It's been productive. We're getting there. We're getting there. He's, uh, he's in his terrible teens at the moment, though. So it's just uh, quite annoying. How long till he gets out of them? Uh, well, I think he gets out, he should get out of them in kind of a couple of months and then be really good dog for a bit and then <laughs> descend into chaos again. And then he should even out. But really, I don't think he will settle down until he's probably about two, which is a long way away. But, um, you know, anyone who's, who's had a puppy will understand. He, like, he's a difficult breed. He's not an easy breed. It's a very challenging breed to train. I've always known that from the very beginning. So I'm not surprised in any way. But, um, you know, it's it's all right. We're getting there. Remind us, what what is Sven? He's a Shiba Inu. Right. So it's a it's a Japanese breed. They're actually the most popular dogs in Japan, um, not so popular here because they're really difficult and people want an easy ride with their dogs, I think, which I'm starting to uh, get on board with. <laughs> well, I'm just on. wondering, I was just thinking if someone's listening and knows about that breed that you just said there, then they might have a training tip or they might own one themselves. So you oh. could get some tips from people listening. Is, it, is there one, if someone is listening that knows about this breed of dog, which I've already forgotten, is there one thing you want to know, one question you'd ask? Oh, um, no. Well, no, not really. Why is he such a brat? <laughs> and I'm saying that and he's sitting right next to me. And I'm saying that but because I know he can't understand me. <laughs> I wouldn't say if he could understand me. No, no, no. I, no, I think we're, we're doing all right. But it'd be nice to connect with other people who have Shebas. That'd be great. Now, Daisy, is she... She's a teenager. She's not a Sheba. She's a teenager. <laughs> She's no, she's she's not Japanese she's not either. She's she's not. <laughs> is she a teenager? She's twelve. She's well. She's thirteen in November. So yeah, they call her a teenager. So she is yet to experience her terrible teens, or do you experience a little bit of the early terrible teens when you're coaching her? I think it's 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 coming in, but I think she's done a really good job actually. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very difficult. I think, you know, big change. I mean, I first started working with her when she was nine. So, you know, there'll be a big difference between a nine-year-old Daisy and a 13-year-old Daisy, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, she's no problem so far, must say. She's been pretty good. Lovely. I, I've i been baking, sort of, attempting to. Again? <laughs> that The thing I've discovered 
is when you have children and they start to get a bit older, and mine are still really young, the twins, and they go to nursery or preschool or school or whatever, you always have to do stuff and take stuff in. So there was a week and they said, we want you to bring in something. What, as well your... as your child? It's hard enough getting your twins out the door, no? And getting them to, tell, to school. Tell me about <laughs> it. And remembering bits and pieces and, and Pack lunch. Pack lunch, yeah. I mean... They want no, extra no, stuff. They just want they just want cakes for the teachers, don't they? That's it. While trying to make my smoothies, <laughs> that's which is why they probably come out a funny colour because I'm kind of not looking and just sort of lobbing things in. Uh, this week they wanted you to bring something in from the country that you're from, and their father is French, so I thought let's bring something because because I thought British would be a bit boring. What are we going to take in? A Yorkshire pudding or something. It's not great. So I, I wanted to do something a bit different. So, but Massive I had to work generalization with... on the French versus British food, but <laughs> we'll gloss over that, shall we? Well, I was going to take some croissants in <laughs> <laughs> just to add to the generalization, but I was going to make some basic, but you can't have in schools, you can't have anything with nuts because of an allergy and you're dealing with sort of 40 odd children. Sure. So you can't be, you can't have any kind of traces of nuts. So I thought, well, I'll use what I've got in the cupboards and bit of, bit of, so I was going to make these things called canales. Which are which are very nice, like a custody filling. Canels, you you can call them that. <laughs> I've heard of canels. I've never heard of a canale. Have you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure but, they're canels. With, <laughs> with canales, the brown slash ones in your world, canels, the brown ones, more brown that sludge describe, that can describe anything. They you normally put rum in. So uh, slightly challenging so, for three-year-olds. So while so this is for the teachers. Well, have rum ones for I'll, the teachers set aside. But we had a conversation last night, and I said, "I've got to make these things." But it's got rum in, and you said, "Surely that's fine." Another generalisation. You said, "Surely that's fine," because French children drink as soon as they're born. <laughs> and I just, I think we're like, are we 15 all now with our generalizations? <laughs> oh dear. And, uh, and um, I had to remind you that there are not just French children in this preschool and there's 40 odd children. I do not want to be giving them rum filled cakes. So I had to remember to um, take the rum out. So I did that and I made them today, but they didn't come out quite right in that they were, soft in the middle but they were really hard on the outside so I thought right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take them in these are three-year-olds they might have only just got teeth I don't want to lose them <laughs> they, they've only had them for like a few months or something a year so I sent my stepfather to the shops to see if I could fudge it but everything has nuts in everything just every even fruit has nuts in it's just crazy so I was thinking oh I'm just gonna have to go and empty-handed and just it's my shame and say sorry so I went in I was doing a big explanation on what happened and she said okay so it's not till October <laughs> and I said what's not till <gasps> October <laughs> and she said our our food day is the end of October so <laughs> I, I've never felt such relief <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Well, how did you get it wrong? Did they tell you the wrong date? I think I was probably reading. They send you a little email each week. I think I probably read it, saw a date, which was quite similar to the date that is today. Saw it was a Wednesday. So you kind of relive the horror of when you were at school and there was like own clothes day or jeans for jeans day or something and you totally forgot and turned up in your school uniform as a kid. Now it's the same thing as a parent. You know, you, you would have turned up in October. Everybody would have all of this amazing stuff and you'd have nothing. 
Well, I turned up today and I seen some other parents going in thinking they're not carrying anything. I'm not the only bad parent. <laughs> and then I got there and the teacher was like, okay, it's, it's October. And I was like, oh, yay. So that was, yeah, so I feel just full of relief now. Really, I, I think, think you, shouldn't, you shouldn't wear a huge amount of guilt for not bringing in Canel Canelais for the teachers. <laughs> I think that's, I think you're all right. I don't think that qualifies as being a bad parent. I think you're doing all right. And you tried as well, which is great. Uh, yes, my conscience was, was clean because I tried and I hadn't put the rum in, but maybe yes, that's why they so went that, hard. Maybe it needed the rum. You know, that's a really good point. So I think I'm going to put those to one side now. I've got a few weeks, go back to the smoothies that were actually getting better and keep an eye on everything else that's going on, including our Twitter feed, because we we ask people for questions and we're really pleased people get into it. We, we mentioned Mr. Gibb, who had a question about junior tennis, and we apologised for not addressing it in last week's podcast. We said, we'll do it in this week's, or Naomi's going to give you a call and just talk to you for hours about junior tennis. Now, I'm not sure if Mr. Gibb was worried about you calling because he sent in another question. <laughs> so we've got a couple of questions from Mr. Gibb. But in all seriousness, we wanted to we wanted to kind of dedicate the majority of this podcast to junior tennis because I think it's an area that you know an awful lot about, but I think it's an area that not a lot of people know what goes into it or what children at that age go through I, that sounds I don't mean it sound all bad but in terms of the the effort the pressure the finances what it takes you are the best person to deal with this but I think we should in honor of Mr Gibbs first question which was about a month ago now I'll just ask Mr Gibbs question off you go and then I'll just jump in every now and then but uh, does that sound is that our plan yeah I think that sounds good I think um with junior tennis it's something we, we will revisit it as questions come in every so often about it, yeah. I think, you know, it's something I, I'm often getting questions, whether it's to do with my blog or just on Twitter um, about about loads of things to do with tennis and junior tennis comes up so much. So I'm sure we will revisit it. And there are way too many aspects of it to get into one pod. We'll do a bit and uh, I'm sure it'll probably call, fire off some more questions from people. So, um, but I'm, it'd be something that it's such a big thing, you know, so I'm sure we'll get back to it, but uh, yeah, we'll give this one a go. Here we go then. Mr. Gibb on Twitter, and we would love to get questions. If you're new to tennis, please get in touch with us. Let, know, let us know what you think of the podcast, any questions you want us to answer, any comments you've got about what we've been talking about. But Mr. Gibb asked, do we ask too much of junior players at 12 years old to keep the score call the lines and umpire, plan their game strategy, control their emotions and deal with their parents and other parents. And can I put in brackets coaches? <laughs> what other sports expect this? Where would you like you? You're working with a 12 year old at the moment is too much put on their show. I cannot imagine at the age of 12 doing all those things that Mr. Gibb just outlined there. Yes, we do. That's it. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for listening. <laughs> After that whole build up of there's so much to talk about. It's extraordinary, really, what we do in uh, in this sport uh, with the youngsters. Um, just the fact that they have to officiate themselves is quite remarkable at, you know, 11, 12 years old. No other sports that I can really think of that at that age you would be asked to officiate yourself. I mean, can you imagine it in football? A uh, bunch of 11-year-old kids, two teams, like, you know, a, a reasonably important match, not just a kickabout in the park, but, you know, in an organised event in a league. 
that sort of situation and you said, okay, off you go, officiate yourselves. No referee, no lines judge. Uh, or linesman it's not a lines judge in football is it whoops <laughs> I'm not the biggest football fan I, I must say but yeah no linesman is I it, mean it would be carnage but is it fair to say I, I can sort of see two sides of this the one side is it's a good thing because they get to know every aspect of their sport how it runs from a very young age they understand it maybe there's a sense that it instills good values because they have had to be that side of the net and in sitting in the umpire's chair and having to be honest when a ball is in or out. But on the flip side of that, if you have a bit of dishonesty or if you have parents or whatever on the sidelines, then I can, or it's someone maybe you're playing against that you don't get on with if, if that happens that kind of age and you're very competitive with, then as you say, it can descend into carnage. But I, I can see maybe the good points of doing it. Is that fair? There are. There are good points, definitely. You learn a lot. I mean, just through being a tennis player and, and these kids that I work with and I talk to the parents an awful lot about how they're going to learn all these life skills that, you know, the kids their age just don't have. And, you know, it's an individual sport, so you learn how to push yourself really hard and overcome barriers. And there is so much uh, positivity around playing tennis as a youngster, including you know, officiating yourself and, and learning fair play. And it's something the LTA have been really big on the past kind of five, six years. They've been really promoting fair play. There's normally a sign up at every tournament about it. And I think that's really important. But unfortunately, you also just learn kind of about life and that it is unfair and that people do, you know, bend the truth or just blatantly cheat a lot. Um, and you have to deal with it. And it's something that... I mean, I remember in my age group, there are about two or three really talented kids, you know, kind of top end um, nationally uh, who stopped playing because they just didn't like the environment. They just didn't want to deal with it. You know, every weekend dealing with people changing the score, you know, calling things out that were in, you know, parents as well, you know, encouraging their kids to do this. And, um, and they left the sport because of it. So that's a real shame. Uh, and they went and played a different sport that actually had somebody umpiring. <laughs> you know, the umpire is never going to be accurate the whole time. But, you know, I think it, it's really difficult. And it's also really difficult on the kids who do end up cheating and do end up manipulating things and trying to get one over when the... There's normally a roaming umpire that's kind of got a few courts to manage and they're, they're around for emergencies, but they tend to not get involved because they sometimes it just makes the situation worse and they would rather let the kids just get on with it you know I also feel bad for the kids you know I see it week in week out these kids that are have bad line calls and are being encouraged by their parents to do that and I feel really bad for them as well because you've got to think I mean what sort of pressure are they under that they're willing to do that just to try and get the win I mean I've spoken to one kid and I said to her you know and I I, I confronted her she was part of our setup uh, I wasn't individually coaching her but I was there, you know, watching how she was doing. And I asked her why her line calls were so bad. Oh, I asked her if she knew that her line calls were bad. And she said, yes. And I asked her why they were so bad. And she said, because it's the only way I'm going to win. Wow. And she was 11. Wow. 11-year-old saying that. And that's encouraged by their parents or whoever's coaching them, I assume. Well, it must be. Uh, it must be. I mean, you know, often it is. You can see it. Um, and other times, I mean, you can make a pretty safe assumption. You know, it, it's just something that is, it's a really hard thing to deal with. I mean, I remember when I was young, I mean, I I, I was scarred by, by situations I had to deal with when I was a youngster. Um, you know, I had one particular rival who was one of the worst that you will find <laughs> probably ever. <laughs> I mean, we all discuss, because um, me and my friends are all, 
kind of different age groups now in tennis. We've all kind of come through tennis and, and we all talk about the, the worst. There's always one who's really bad in each age group. And uh, I find it very difficult to ever lose a battle as to who had the worst one in their age group <laughs> when we come up with all of the various different e- examples. But it's hard. It's really hard. What happened to this, but without obviously saying names, but what happened to, is it something that is, uh, the wrongs are righted as they get old? Is this person still in tennis? Is this person not in tennis anymore? Because you like to think that everything will just settle itself as they get older and and they will realise that that is something that they couldn't do. I mean, are are they still involved in tennis? I mean, this particular person isn't. In general... They do bail out of tennis round about 16. 80% of the people that you can see are clearly not just playing. They're clearly, they're try- they, they walk on court kind of trying to, they, they know they're going to make bad line calls at the, the more, most difficult times. And some of them just blatantly change the score. I mean, I've seen people, um, I've seen people actually, um, I was playing, there was a match and uh, the player won the set 6-1 the person that she was playing against actually just reversed it and just went to the scoreboard and said, just put a set to her. And <laughs> the player, the the player, the victim in this situation actually was none other than Naomi Brody. And the person she was playing against just said, no, I won the, I won the set. So we're all watching going absolutely crazy. Uh, the roaming umpire hasn't seen it. So they had to start again. The, what, they started the match again? Yeah, and Naomi was livid, obviously. <laughs> Because the person that decided they wanted to win the set six when they just changed the scoreboard and there was no way it could be given back to Naomi Brody who rightly won it. They started the whole match again. Yeah, they did. Because that's, that's, that's all you can do is you either go back to the score that you last agree or you start that particular situation again. So it's most common to get score disputes within a game. So somebody thinks it's 30 all, somebody thinks it's 40-15. Um, and normally you go back to the last stage that you agree, which was 15-30 or 15 all or whatever, and you replay it. And it's, it's not the end of the world, but kids are smart. They know how to manipulate it and do it at the right times. And, you know, they, they know how to make it work in their favour. Uh, but that was uh, that was extraordinary. It was blatant, and that was at nationals. That was yeah, that was an early round at, at nationals. Do you know? I cannot remember if Naomi ended up winning the match, and I'm going to have to ask her about this. That is that is that's quite incredible. That I, it, how involved can or do parents get? Not necessarily coaches, but parents, because you hear whatever sport it is, you can hear some horror stories about parents that are either living their dreams through their child or they're just they're trying to change everything they're trying to get involved in everything how involved do parents get well I, I wouldn't like to say that tennis is the worst because I think that that parents can be extraordinarily awful in so many sports um, but the nature of having two kids playing a match with no official nearby because they're watching a match two courts away and having parents at the side, it means they're talking to them constantly. It means that sometimes they're just abusing them, shouting at them sometimes, which is really not very nice. And it, it just encourages that kind of behaviour of get away with what you can while they're, they're not around and that sort of thing, which I blame football for, to be honest, because in football you do have the sort of attitude of get away with what, what you can with the ref not looking. I mean, to a certain extent, right? And I and I do think that sometimes that's kind of translates into tennis a little bit, which I which I really find difficult. But you know, I don't, I never blame any kid 
who's doing anything wrong when they're especially when they're young up until the age of 12 13 you know they they don't know what they're doing they clearly have a huge amount of pressure they can't cope and that's the only way they know how to try and cope the situation and it was hard as I say it was hard for me growing up I mean I ended up in tears so many times didn't want to play because I just wanted to play tennis I didn't really care if I lost like I mean I cared but you know, we we you know, me and my dad had driven up to Sheffield for the weekend to play some tournament, and you just wanted to come and play, you know, a few matches, um, and compete, and yes, try to win. But you know, I mean, you have situations where I mean, you will literally hit a ball into the middle of the court, and they will catch it and say it's out. You'll hit a return into the middle of the court. So, and normally they'll do something like that because kids will do that if you've. Uh, if you've made a tight call so if there's one on the baseline or something and and you've called it out they think it's in there's a dispute they'll then try and the, the parents will say to them, sometimes parents will say to them you know, you know oh it's all right don't worry about it just do one back and then they'll hit a serve and you'll return it right into the middle of the court and they'll just catch it and say out but then how is how is a 11 12 year old maybe 13 14 how do you deal with that because it's a it's a massive sense of injustice it's completely wrong you might have your parents on the sidelines who are vocal or not but how do you deal with those there's enough emotions anyway when you're that kind of age and you're growing up but then for that to happen I just I just don't know how you'd just I mean sometimes maybe you just laugh because you're like that is the most ridiculous thing but if it keeps happening I just that's incredible how how does this change how can it be changed or can it not be well I think it, it it's you know look there the majority of kids get on and they play and they they might get upset because they've lost or because they don't play well. You know, this is a you know, it's definitely the minority. I must say that, but it is something that every single tennis player has to deal with at a young age. They will come up against somebody who is being so outrageous with the rules, and there's actually nothing you can do about it. You know, for example, Naomi with that set. You know, she lost it. She won it six one. But then she had to start again. She just she just won four games in a row. I mean, the audaciousness of that child to do that. But she didn't care. She was just going to do it. She was she she didn't care. She wanted to start the set again. She knew that would be the outcome. So there you go. In, in terms of what you do about it, I mean, there's just got to be an official in every court. It's it's it, it, that's the main thing to do. I would like to see a fair play award at every tournament, so that the people who aren't ever winning fair play awards can really feel that they're never winning fair play or play awards and think that maybe there's an issue here. And in terms of dealing with it, if you're a junior, because this is honestly the number one question I get from parents, other than will my child be number one in the world? That's the top question I get asked. Um, the okay, second firstly, one... How do, you, how do you answer that question? When someone comes to you and maybe they are offering you the chance of work. So you're thinking, well, I could work with this player here. And they're saying, are they going to be number one? How do you answer a question like that? Because the chances are, largely, largely it's no. I mean, largely the answer is going to be no. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if they ask a question like that, I mean, then I'm never going to work with them. It's just that's just the way it is. I mean, no, but it, but it just it shows a mentality, doesn't it? It shows that that they're in it for the wrong reasons, and they it's normally I've, they normally say, "Look at my eight year old kid." It's like if I go to county clothes, do I go to a tournament? And they'll say, "Oh, you know, watch my daughter." You know, you know how good do you think she can be? Can we make any money from tennis? You know, I mean, it, it's, and I just, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I try, um, I try so hard not to be rude. <laughs> but I, I normally end up being rude. 
Yeah, and that's that's the number one question I get. And it's, yeah, as I say, my answer is normally some form of leave me alone. Only if they ask that. If you're not, if you're going to ask sensible questions, I'm more than happy to I, I talk. I did say, I, I probably shouldn't admit this to you, but I did say, and it was half in jest, I was interviewing the Brian brothers, and you might know where I'm headed with this, a couple of years ago at Wimbledon, they being twins, me having twins, and, and my the boys were maybe one then. And I just did say, so my last question was, any tips on how I can have the next generation of Brian brothers but I was it was said with a smile on my face and I was joking but and, and their answer I'll give you the answer they said make sure one's left-handed and one's right-handed nice that's that that's actually quite smart to be fair yeah come on then the, the, the second, second most question, question you asked the, the second question I'm asked the most is you know how do we deal with cheats because they're they're there at almost every tournament you play in. Unfortunately, it's just how do we how do we deal with it? She can't deal with it. She cries. She gets upset, and then she loses. And ultimately, that's the aim of the cheat. Because you know they sometimes they only do maybe three bad calls in a match, but they do it in a way and at the perfect moment to kind of make you crumble. And that's what they want. And aside from saying you know look well, they'll get found out in the end because you do all play with umpires at some point. The vast vast majority will stop playing when they're when they're teenagers because. The reason they're cheating is because they can't deal with certain pressures, and if you can't, and the pressure only grows when you get older. So there normally comes a point where they stop. The odd one or two, um, they they do end up managing to get good. I think do end up. You know, sometimes they they it doesn't mean that they're not going to be any good. And that's the thing is I can't tell parents that well she's never going to make it or whatever because sometimes they do. Sorry, what were you going to say? And I'm not saying that every parent is like this. Again, you were talking about the cheating and it is a minority. But I think for people listening, it is interesting. People might not know about the side of it or the extremes of the side of it. But how do you manage the expectations of parents almost rather than the children? Because I think at 10 or 11, I'm not sure what my level of expectations could be. I enjoy it. It's fun. Or maybe this is quite difficult. I'm having to do it a lot. It's more how do you manage the expectations of the parents? It's really hard, you know, I try and chip away um, and, and try and build the trust over time because I think if you take on parents that are too intense, and a lot of them are, and that's fine, That's it's not necessarily a bad thing, you just got to try and channel their, I like to call it enthusiasm in the in the <laughs> right way. You know, I just think that you should just chip away because if you if you take them on and then in week one you say, right, you've got to change your attitude and approach to everything, completely do a 180. You now just want your kid to have fun. Actually, you know what? You're not even going to watch. You're not allowed to watch anymore. And if you've got an overly involved parent, it's just never going to go well. You're just not going to, they're not going to work with you for very long and you're going to clash or they'll start doing things in secret and they'll tell you they're not watching when they are watching. And and that's just no way to work with a coach if you want your kid to be good, right? That's You want the kid to be the best they can be. So I always try and be really honest. I try and really understand you know, where the parents are coming from. And you kind of want to do it in stages. So you want to take the focus off of winning as much as you can. And so you need to set goals within the matches and you need to give the parents a job to do, get them to stat something. Say, I really need to know how many second serves are going in or something. I don't know, something super basic. So they've got something to keep them busy because they just get nervous and, you know, they want their kid to win even though it just means absolutely nothing it, it just doesn't mean it I mean and it's hard to explain that and the thing is is that it will always mean something to the kid 
but you have to try and I, I, I don't know you, you have to try and pull them in the right direction really I try and do it in kind of stages and, and the initial stages okay they're too focused on winning so we want them to try and focus on their kid playing well that's the, that's they can latch on to that because they can be proud about it and also normally if the kid if the kid's pretty good normally if the kid plays well they're going to win the matches they're expected to win so they can kind of get on board with that. So we go through a bit of a stage like that and then you start taking it even further away from playing well in into actually just going out and really just really holding themselves to the, their own standards, you know, the child's standards. So that's something that I'm working on with Daisy at the moment. So we're working on her going out onto court and being her, you know, whatever she's about, the intensity, the focus, the application, how she plays, she's nice and aggressive, you know, whatever she wants to be as a tennis player, that's now her focus. And if she sacrifices that to win, then we're all collectively quite disappointed if you know what I mean, because you shouldn't you shouldn't sacrifice who you are and you shouldn't sacrifice your game. And, I, and you know, I cite, you know, Serena and Sharapova and you know, Osaka, any any player really, you can pick them out and you can say they will compete to the death. They will give every last drop they've got to win, but they will never sacrifice who they are. You know, Sharapova will never back off. You know, Serena's not going to start hacking because it's going to win her the match. You know, you know, they may make very, very small adjustments, but ultimately they are who they are on the court and they go out and they fully commit to that and they will still try their best to win but without sacrificing it. And that's the most important thing. So you don't sacrifice who you are and and then hopefully you get you get to the kind of the right place. But it's a very challenging thing, I think, to try and teach teach kids and it will also help with you know kids that make bad line calls and are overly competitive because you just try and channel them in, into the right direction you're having to balance so many things and it feels the answer for mr gibb well your first answer when he asked the question about keeping school calling the lines do we ask too much of them was yes so it, it seems as though there isn't really an answer as to how they can do less it feels like this is what's put on their shoulders and they have to deal with it I hope they have the right people around them to deal with it the, the second part of the question from Mr Gibb was about ranking saying playing up to age level seems to be the norm now and sort of shortening that but then going on to say but it's ranking that allows access to funding so then that comes down to what you said it wasn't all about was winning. That kind of comes down to winning because you're in tournaments to win ranking points to ultimately get funding so you're on this kind of vicious circle of it's not about winning but you've got to win to get the ranking to get the money yeah I mean the whole the whole system is um, has been flawed for some time and I know there's a big revamp with the performance team within the LTA but the structure is just it, it rewards winning from about the age of nine which is just kind of rubbish because because then you get kids who will sacrifice who they are and their game to win. So you get kids that hack the ball up high to the backhand because that will win them the match. But that's it's not going to get you very far and that's not their game style. That's just what they're doing to try and win. And it's the same with the kids that will make bad line calls or change the score. They're, they're sacrificing, you know, some really important values just to get a win on the board. And it's, it's always such a shame to see it, really. Uh, and unfortunately, the system does promote that. And we need to do a lot of work to try and stop that from happening and to try and get kids to be able to walk on court, be proud and confident of who they are as a person and who they are as an athlete and what their game is so that they can commit fully to all of those three things. And whether they win or lose, that's the consequence of that's just the outcome. Personally, I don't like the structure with ranking points um, and that sort of thing. It, it's changed since I was playing 
because now ultimately we used to have separate rankings in separate age groups but now you you can't you do but you you can win you can win points in an under 18 event which will go towards your under 12 ranking it's just you just get bigger points the the further up you go in terms of the age groups I mean look ultimately all you want to do you want to find matches at a good level so you can go and practice the stuff you've been doing with your coach and so you can go and learn how to compete that's 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 all you need to do that there's nothing else to it and the whole thing about the funding is crazy. I mean, the amount of players and parents I've spoken to and worked with over the years, especially when they hit teenage years and there is some serious funding available when you get to kind of 14 years old, they will travel all over the world to play the Tennis Europe events, to play the ITFs. They'll go to Guatemala. They'll go wherever they need to go, South Africa, Uzbekistan, you know, anywhere they need to go to pick up points so that they can get their ranking up to get the funding. But they always, always, always end up spending maybe £10,000 getting to these tournaments and the reward to make sure that they get into the bracket where they get the funding, they get like £3,000 worth of funding. And I just don't understand. And all the while sacrificing their development because they're not training enough with their coach, they're not at the right tournaments, they're playing either easier matches or they're missing school, that there are so many negatives to what they're doing. And they're also losing money. And it's just such a, it's such a bizarre thing. So the whole kind of um, the, the setup with the LTA having the funding for kind of the top few, it would work if people didn't try and chase it, if everybody just played kind of what they would normally play and then whoever ended up being the top would get it but I mean it's it's just a nightmare the problem is you I can never can you ever see a day when people all collectively think it's not about the winning it's about the developing because parents are thinking we've sacrificed a lot and driven and flown around the world to get X or Y to these certain tournaments because we believe they can do this. They've got the child and there's that natural, if you enter a tournament, of course you'd love to win it. Of course you'd like to be the best when you're 12 and someone says to you, you're the best and you've won this tournament. Can you ever imagine a time when no one thought about that and they just thought, let's develop, let's play, be ourselves, enjoy ourselves, and then there'll be a sort of a, a natural order of things. It just, it just seems impossible to think that will ever change because people are always chasing money. They're chasing. We were having a chat a little earlier before we did the podcast about the Chinese tennis players. And at the moment, as we record this, it, the Wuhan tournaments, there's been a few wild cards handed out. Some Chinese players come through qualifying and they are very, very good. The male players, there's a big crop of the young female players, but we're looking at 15, 16-year-olds who've got five-year water bottle sponsorships. I mean, that's incredible, but that is what is being dangled in front of her. And that's not for her developing and being herself. That is a reward for her winning. Well, I mean, it's a results-based industry, isn't it? And uh, that's that, that's completely fine. And, and as a coach myself, I will never shy away from the fact that, you know, results are important. So as much as for... Uh, you know, Daisy's what, she's 12, nearly 13. For her, her results really don't matter. I honestly cannot remember a match before the age of 14. I, I really, I can't remember any results, winning or losing. I can't even remember being, I can vaguely remember being at tournaments, but you just can't remember. There was a tweet that went out actually during the US Open that the three of the four semi-finalists barely played any junior tournaments. And they actually all came through a bit later. I think, um, who would have barely played junior tournaments? So Keys. 
Serena and Osaka, I imagine, would have been the three of the four. Who was the fourth? And with Osaka, she didn't play the junior tournament, so no one really knew anything about her. Yeah. Because she wasn't yeah. playing on the, on the standard circuit, the junior level and the ITF level. So it really was, here she is, because there are different routes and different ways of going about it. Well, that's the main thing, is that, you know what, there's always going to be a Wozniacki who just played and played and played and travelled and, and just played such volume of matches and was so good so young, and that was the right route for her. But there are always going to be other players as well that will come through a different way. And and I just think that with our system, we're only catering for the Wozniakis, which are one in a million, uh, not catering for other people that are going to come through in their 20s or, or later on. I think, look, I, I can't imagine a time where people are are going to ignore winning and losing at a young age. And and I don't think that they should, um, but I would like to see it get a little later. I mean, I'm I'm not quite at the stage where I care about Daisy winning or losing yet. So there will come a stage when that will become the most important thing? Yeah, I think if she's in the final of Junior Wimbledon, I probably wouldn't care how she wins it. <laughs> I probably just want her to win it. As, as long Let's as she doesn't, as long as she doesn't go up to the scoreboard and change around a set, <laughs> <laughs> she could try. Because that try. would not be good. Um, no, and it, it, everything's in balance and everything is fluid. And you know, and I remember working with a player once. She was the sort of player that I mean, she sacrificed everything that she was about uh, to try and get the win on the board. So in practice, she was. So aggressive. She was right up the court. You know, she hit her serves really hard. She really went for her kick serve on the second serve. She's about, I don't know, 15 at this time. You know, even, you know, almost beating me in sets from the back of the court. And this was back just after I'd stopped playing. So um, I was still playing pretty well. And she was uh, in, she, she was playing just in a, in a really specific way. She had a fantastic game. And then when she, we got to the matches, and the first time I saw her play matches, she just got scared, ran away, was tapping the ball, was hacking the ball, just anything, desperately trying to get over the line, desperately trying to win. She was playing against a girl that she was miles better than. And she ended up losing uh, that particular match. And so I, I spoke to her and we were talking about going to the next week. And I was saying, OK, so next week, you need to try and be who you are. You need to try and work on your game. Like This is not a game that's going to last long at all because okay hacking it up high to the backhand of a junior player is quite effective because they're all quite weak up there or girls in general tend to be weak quite up high on the backhand but I tell you what you try that against Osaka what do you think is going to happen (laughs) (laughs) you ain't winning many points people get stronger and suddenly something that is so effective for juniors becomes just I mean it literally just stops doing anything you never see anyone hacking up high to the backhand in professional tennis because it doesn't work they drive volley or they take it on the rise and they laugh in your face but if you spend your whole junior career hacking up high to the backhand, then you don't learn how to attack a backhand properly because it takes years to understand that skill of how to open up that wing properly. Um, and if you just don't do it, you can't just decide to do it when you get to 17 years old. So we were having this conversation. And anyway, so we got to the next week and uh, and I said, right, so you know what you're doing. And she said, she was like, yep. And we had our whole pre-match talk and, and whatever. And I said, okay, have you got any questions? She said, oh yeah, just one. And I said, okay, what's that? And she said, am I playing to win or am I playing to improve? And I just thought, oh dear God. I mean, you're, you're doing both. You've, you've got to learn to do both until you literally get to the latter stages of Wimbledon where I will give you a little bit of, maybe we don't try and improve right now. Maybe you just try and win is fine. <laughs> but you know, it, the idea that you, are, that, that you can't do both at the same time is something that is so present through junior tennis. 
And and that's a really big problem for parents because the want to win is just slightly stronger than the want to improve. So the improvement gets wiped. Whereas I try and say to parents, I don't mind you wanting your kid to win a bit more than you want them to improve. But where are we setting that ratio? Are you going to be at 60% win, 40% improve? Because if that's the case, then in the match, we need to see 40% of this being dedicated to improvement. You know, you can't say, oh, I, 60% of me wants her to win. So let's just scrap everything else and let's just go 100%. That doesn't work. You know, you, you have to have a balance. And so I, I try and come at it like that. And I try and I also give the parents time. I give them times where they can go up on their wanting to win and they can come back down so that it's not I'm not stifling it all the time and but I try and find appropriate times for that because also it's it's useful you know the kid needs to learn how to deal with pressure and the kid really wants to win and and that sort of thing and uh, it's a very very challenging thing to try and get across to kids when they're growing up in the structure that we've got and the culture that we've got which as you said as Mr Gibbs said uh, just completely rewards winning from the age of, well, teeny tiny. To wrap up Junior Tears for now, and it's definitely something we're going to come back to. And again, if anyone has any questions at Tennish Podcast on Twitter, and we will we'll get them in to some of our future pods. But for a, a final thought, if you were given free reign to change one thing, just one thing in junior tennis as it is now, what would it be? So you're allowed to tinker with one aspect of it, and that change will stick. What would it be? Oh, my. I mean, there's just so much. Only allowed one. I'm not saying this is necessarily my favourite one, but this is just one that I would like to try. And I think that all of the mini tennis, so that's under the age of mm, 10, I think. Uh, by the age of 10, you're probably on about on, on yellow ball. I mean, it, it, it slightly varies. It might be slightly later. It depends on your, your level, really. But I would like to see all of mini tennis, all of the competitions be team competitions. I just think there's no need to just have individual, you know, you've got seven-year-olds going to play a mini orange tournament individually. You know, you have a winner of the tournament, you know, everybody else loses. And I just, I just think there's no need, just, just, there's just no need. Just let them play. And it just, we do have really nice, the team tennis event is great, uh, where each club, you, know, you put out four players and, you know, the club comes over with four of their players. I just think it's the best way to do it when you're young, you know, because they're still out there playing singles. They'll still be playing individually, but they just get the support of the team and you get a group of parents. And also then parents are a lot less likely to behave badly when there are other parents, when they're representing a team. Uh, they tend to kind of really mellow out in those situations. And I think that would really help the young ones. That's what I'd do. No, I like it. I don't know. Make the courts pink. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's something else. Um, like in Tokyo. Tokyo pink courts. It's good. I don't, it looks I don't quite know. good. I don't think we need all courts around the world pink, but maybe just the court. No, but I think that they should vary colours more. I just, you know, they're always red and green and blue. It's boring. So I think now I need you to put in place a plan to make my twins Grand Slam champions. Although <laughs> I don't think they're going to like tennis because... You work in tennis and so if, if I if I go away so I have to go abroad so you have to prepare them and say you know mommy's going to tennis going to work she's going to tennis so now if I say I'm going to tennis they go oh not again 
not tennis <laughs> again. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I'm not fans. I think I'm actually putting them off because like, oh, not a tennis. So I think until they're a bit older, when I can start taking them to the tournaments, you know, with me, so they can kind of see it. There's just still a, a little bit too young to control them. They'd probably run onto the tennis court, whatever color it was. And I think at the moment they're like they they sort of associate it with with me leaving and going to work. So I think yeah. that they're yeah. They're not ready for their Grand Slam training (laughs) 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 and may never be. Yeah. Well, maybe you could just call it something else. I don't know. But I do want to say that I, I I don't know. I mean, I probably sounded quite down about, you know, the way kids are and the cheats that everybody has to face when they're young. But these are the sorts of conversations that me and my friends have. And like, and it, it is such a massive thing. It's a massive part of your childhood you know, growing up dealing with this stuff. It's just, it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult, really, really challenging. A lot of kids quit because of it, a lot. And people don't often talk about that, but, you know, you know, kids do leave because of it. I, I remember when I was probably about 11, I'd had enough. I was just, I just, I'd had enough. I just wanted to come and play. You know, I did want to win. Of course I wanted to win. And I was upset when I lost, but, you know, it was, it was just, you know, sometimes it just gets ridiculous. I'm really excited to see, well, I don't know if you're, well, I don't know if you suppose you are working with Naomi again. I'll have to message her and see if she remembers that incident. Yeah, we need to, we need to find out if she remembers that and maybe get her on the podcast. That'd be good. Oh, I'd love a podcast with Naomi. That could, see, that... and as I say, these are the sorts of conversations that we all have all the time. So I'm going well, to, with, with Naomi, I end up just getting her free stuff because whenever we're at tournaments, she loves, <laughs> she loves the free stuff. I love the, everyone loves free stuff. So my mission, and I tend to work with Naomi at the Grand Slams when she's there competing, I'm there working, is I try and get her free stuff because you go in and they hand you uh, a money box in the shape of a tennis ball or something. So whenever I go there, I will take a photo and let her know and see if she approves of the free stuff. So um, I got her some free stuff in New York recently. So uh, that seems to be my role with Naomi. I get her free stuff. So um, maybe in return for the free stuff, she'll come on a pod. But I think we should definitely, we've still got to do a podcast with your brother. That could be interesting. Yes, we'll get him on. Definitely. Oh, no, we'll come on for sure. She loves a chat. She's got loads to talk about. <laughs> and I want to find out from your brother what you were like as a sister growing up. That's going to be a very insightful podcast. <laughs> I don't think it will be. <laughs> Unfortunately, we were both too busy playing tennis. We barely knew each other. <laughs> Not going to lie. We were all over the world. But as things but go with it, see what he says. As things stand with this podcast, it's time for me to get back to my holiday. <laughs> Despite the fact we're recording this before I've even left. <laughs> get ready. You've got to pack. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm I Oh you know, sorry. I you, shouldn't have said that. No, you know, you you know you <laughs> your have, face has yeah. just changed. <laughs> now the dread. No, it's it'll be good when you get there. My eyes looked up at the stuff that needs to be packed. I have a, I have a friend and my neighbor. She is the most organized person on the planet and I'm so jealous. Everything's packed and ready about a week before they leave. I'm normally a little bit like revision or essays or deadlines. I'm sort of the night before. Right. You know, at midnight when you should be sleeping because you have to leave at four in the morning. I'm running around gathering stuff, including children (laughs) and putting them in the car. (laughs) So I, yeah, as much as I try and think next time it's going to be different, it it tends to always be the same. But it's, uh, no, it'll be fantastic. It will be great. But we would love to keep hearing from people. And the next time we're going to be speaking on the podcast, we'll be deep into the Asian swing, both working on on separate tournaments, but we will be coming together 
to talk tennis. Yes. I think so. You think so? Or are you, are you not coming together to record <laughs> <No>. tennis? <laughs> I am coming. I'll be there. I'll End be there. of I the d- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll change that to hopefully when I'm back from holiday, we'll be coming together <laughs> to record tennis. If people would like to leave a review, that would be amazing. Um, Naomi, you could leave a review if you like, if, you've, if yes. you're enjoying the and podcast. And subscribe. I hear subscribing's the uh, the hot ticket. So there, you don't have to refresh us when you go on your pod. Oh, it's just there in your pod app. It just comes up. It just pops up and says there's a new one. So subscribing, reviewing, and any questions, then and Mr. Gibb, I hope we do. We do make them work hard, don't we? I was going to say. (laughs) There's your homework. (laughs) So they've got their to do list, their homework list, and if anyone knows about the breed of dog that Naomi has that I've forgotten again. What's it called again? Sheba. Sorry, what's Sven called again? (laughs) Sheba Inu. If you are, if you know about those dogs, then some advice for Naomi, we can add that to the list. And anything else you'd like to say, we would love to hear from you. But now, as you've made me feel guilty, I'm going to go and start packing or I'm going to look at things that should be packed. I think that's a step forward. (laughs) Yeah. Visualise it in your head. Yeah, that's a good place to stop. Visualise. That's like 30% 30 of the work, isn't it? Visualising. I feel like you're coaching me now. (laughs) Visualise. I'm going to visualise my packing and I look forward to getting together soon. Yes. Bye, Gigi. Bye, Navy. Bye.